You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. There's good news for those who want to buy bulbs. You can get 20% off all the ones that Alan listed as his favourites. It'll be detailed in the show notes, but you just need to enter the code ALANSR, all uppercase, on the website and you will get the discount. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and normally my friend Arthur Parkinson. But today I have the incredible honour of having the dearest, sweetest man, who is Alan Chichmarsh, who's been a good friend to me for ages. And he was here, I saw him in the summer, and I said, could I possibly persuade him to come on and talk on the podcast about his favourite varieties of tulip? Alan, incredibly, incredibly welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you so very much because I know you are one of the busiest people in the world. And so it's utterly sweet of you to make this time to talk about your love of tulips. It's a pleasure. So why do you love tulips, Alan? Because I think there's some kind of sculptural purity to them. And it seems impossible. I mean, it seems pretty impossible with a large daffodil bob that you're going to get a bunch of narcissi out of the top, you know. But when you look at a tulip bob, it's that much smaller, that much more compact, and it's sort of entire in that outer casing. And and you, <laughs> I still have this um, amazing feeling when I look at these small bulbs, not much more than an inch and a half high, and you know what's going to come out. And the thing is, you've had the snowdrops first, which were white. Then you have the daffodils, which are mainly yellow. And then along comes the tulip saying, stand back. (laughs) I have far more to show you, which is probably one reason why I never grow yellow tulips. I've kind of done with yellow by the time tulips come. The daffs, which I love. But there's something wonderful. It's the sculptural quality, I think, of the flowers. They're elegant. Yeah, and and some of them perfumed, don't they? I mean, they they do sort of have it all. Yes. So which um which are your faves? I mean, I guess that's sort of what we all want to know. Why don't you tell us your top five, or maybe if you can't do top five, do a few more. Well, let me tell you the ones I'm not mad about. I'm a great believer in gardening, in the postponement of gratification. I like <laughs> anticipation. I like waiting. And those earlier ones, the, the Grigii and the Fosteriana tulips, mm. which tend to be bright scarlet or, or yellow, and they're quite short and stocky. And the leaves, yes, they're sort of splashed and, and, and marbled with, with maroon. But I look at them and they don't really do it for me. And it tends to be the slightly later flowering ones, which get taller. I've discovered the tallest tulip I've ever grown is one called El Nino. Yes. It is amazing. It is three feet tall. You'll know it, Sarah. I mean, and it has these orange flowers that are sort of splashed and diffused with red. And it, it sounds yes. appalling. It's it's mind-blowing. And people come around the corner and see, I put in two big lead tubs, or I did this year. Uh, and there it is, towering, and it starts to lean as it gets older, sort of as, yeah. as if El Nino is kind of blowing it over. But it's the most glorious tulip. And I tend, as I say, not I'm not mad on yellow ones. I don't think I ever grow a yellow tulip. But I do 
I think, tend to like the sort of more burgundy and maroon ones. There's a lovely one called Armani, presumably named after mm. Giorgio, which is crimson edged with white, and it's really classy. It, it, it's a good-looking tulip, about 18 inches, maybe two feet high. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, to, to introduce you to a tulip, Sarah, now that's a thrill for me. Uh, <laughs> Armani. Yeah. There's another another one I love called Gavotta. Do you know Gavotta, yeah. presumably? Yes, I love Gavotta. Which is deep yeah. crimson. And it's edged with very, very, very pale yellow. That I yes, know. Yes, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you there, Alan. Can I interrupt you? Because <laughs> there's one. No, I just rant on, you know, it's terrible. <laughs> well, so do I. So we can rant. <laughs> we have to interrupt each other. But um, do you know Slawa, which is like Gavotta, but it's got a sort of peach It's edge. on my list. Ah, oh, it's a beauty. I really love it. Yeah. It's almost like pale salmon. That's right. Yeah. It's lovely. But yeah. what I find with all of them, I'll sort of interrupt my list by saying how I grow them. And I do plant uh, on clumps in borders or groups of them in borders. But I really love tulips in pots. Yeah. And yeah. 10 or 12 inch pots in old money, you know, yeah. uh, 25 to 30 centimeter pots. And I'll get 10 in one of those. And they are so yeah. reasonably priced. You know, you, you're getting yeah. a heck of a lot for your money. And then I can bring pots onto the sort of terrace when they're looking pretty. But I quite like bringing them out when they're just coming through the earth because then you get the chance to watch them rather than waiting until the buds yes. come. It's that whole process with a tulip, isn't it? You get this small point coming out, then a kind of scroll, and then the bud starts to come up and it's green. And then it starts to stain and flush with colour and it extends and extends. And the whole process of them coming into flower, and even when they start to become blown and one tepal, as yeah. they're called on chips, one tepal will keel over and hang down as if it's on a hinge. Yes. And you think, oh, yeah. they're going, but I can't bring myself to get rid of them yet. So I love them in pots and tubs. And that repeat, as you say, of the same size pot, but in succession down a table, or you can bring them in and put them on a window ledge, or even if you haven't got the fire lit, you could put them along the fireplace, and they just look so wonderful, don't don't they? And that sort of pattern of uh, in series, I love that too. I couldn't agree more. What's also fun, if you've got, sometimes I have one left, and I've been known to put one tulip bulb in, in a three-inch terracotta pot. Oh. And it looks like something that a Dutch master might have had on his desk. It seems silly when you're doing it, but it's lovely to have. And you can you know, bring it in and put it on your desk. Just one single tulip. Uh, and once you've got it on your desk, it'll start to get a bit wavy and wafty. Uh, but it is lovely. Back to my list. One that really caught people's eye last year that I had is Mystic Van Eyck, oh, which is a it. kind of dusky pink but it is so dusky isn't it strange that color because it's not pink pink and it's not salmon pink yeah and it's early yes yeah and again that's a good one in the garden i've had that clumps of that in a border yeah. lovely plant but there are absurd tulips as well i mean carnival de nice you know the red and white one which yes. is so garish and that yes. sort of parity one yes. but i grew one this year last year called snowball Ah. Now, if you can imagine an ice cream cone with this great dollop mm. of, of vanilla ice cream on the top, streaked with sarsaparilla as it used to be when you were a kid, and it's a, it's a double. It's actually quite gross in a way, but it makes me laugh. Yes. <laughs> as did one other one, which I grew last year, called New Santa. 
The new Santa is rich red with a fimbriated edge that is white. So it looks like one of Father Christmas's assistants. You know, in the stores, you get these (laughs) rather delightful young ladies and they're clad in red with with white fur around the bottom. Well, new Santa reminds me of those. It's not subtle, but it's quite fun having the odd pot that just makes you laugh or interests children. You know, you can get them to look at it as they're coming out. It's very funny. Yeah, totally. And that reminds me of one called Orca, which I love, which again, I remember when I... I first saw it at Chatsworth, actually, in a pot. And I just thought, oh, no, I'm not sure because it's rather short, but it's got these huge heads. But then we grew it here and we had it on the table outside the barn. And we had 30 bulbs in a big old galvanized sort of bath. And it was absolutely knockout, incredibly early. And it just looked like the most crazy orange peony. You know, as of course, lots of them are called peony flowered, aren't they? And again, slightly fimbriated edge to the petal. Yes, I'm just writing it down. (laughs) And if you actually sort of picked it apart, you'd think, oh, that's just too much. But in fact, it was absolutely triumphant. I think that is one of the lovely things about tulips is often the gaudier the better. And, uh, you know, you can't say that about lots of flowers. I personally think it's also true of dahlias, but... With tulips, you know, being showy and just having it all out there and, uh, you know, not hiding any of its lights under a bushel is definitely one of their charms, I think. Oh, I do agree. I mean, you know, you can be tasteful. You can grow, you know, white triumphator a la Sissinghurst White Garden, you know, the lily-flowered one with these tall blooms that are wasted and then flick out at the top. And white triumphator is is a cracker. I try occasionally to naturalise tulips, and and this is a real lottery, isn't it? Some Mm. of them will keep coming up and flowering in the garden every year. A lot of them won't. Spring green is really reliable, the one which is white flushed with green, and that comes year after year. But if you try and get them to naturalise in grass like daffodils and narcissi, they fizzle out. You really have to keep replacing them. Yeah. And I did a patch of grass in a sort of meadow with the dark, really deep, like Queen of the Night, mm. the, the dark one, and then a, a mid-pink one and then a light-pink one. And that was a nice mixture. But it lasted for a year, did a bit in the second year, but then it was all but gone. And I think if you want to do that, if you like that effect, you have to keep bulking it up every year, as it were, because some will fizzle out. Yes. Uh, and you'll just make sure you keep it coming. A lot of people don't like tulips and grass, and I'm not sure whether I want to keep repeating it. But that first year when I put them in, it was lovely. Yes. Uh, and uh, I mean, the thing that we found here is that by planting tulips underneath trees, like we've got an apple tree just outside the kitchen, and also, funnily enough, in the base of a hedge, a south-facing hedge, they have actually naturalized much better rather than planting them in a well-fed border. And I think it must be that it's just so dry and so impoverished that they feel they're in Afghanistan or wherever they, you know, the tulip bulb is in nature. Yes. And, and they create bulbils. So we've got one called Mistress Mystic. So not Van Eyck, it's called Mistress Mystic. And it's very similar to Mistress Grey. And it's rather a strange sort of pearly, smoky pink. And that, I planted 50 bulbs under this apple tree maybe 10 years ago and now there are more like two or three hundred it's amazing it's completely naturalized so it's not in grass that's amazing but you're right you're copying the natural habitat aren't you really afghanistan turkey whatever they get that great drying in the summer that's another thing i'm going to try under a tree i'm writing this down you know (laughs) because it's not a natural place most things under trees fizzle out 
I know, I know. And then also we find in our artichoke bed, so again, you know, it's pretty impoverished because artichokes are, are quite thuggish plants, but I found the one called Green Wave as well as Spring Green, which you mentioned. Again, I put in maybe 50 mm. bulbs of each maybe 10 years ago, and I haven't had to top up at all. And every year up they come, that that duo. And they look really wonderful with the sort of serrated petals of green wave with the serrated silvery leaves of the artichoke. And again, I think of totally naturalized. So that's, I think it must be again, baking heat because artichokes like, you know, really baking heat and impoverished soil is, is just better than grass. As you say, the grass seems to take almost too much away from them. But if you pick the right spot, you really can naturalize. I think it does. I think that's what it is. It's the grass is so greedy and it's greedy on the surface. Yeah. Whereas if you, so presumably underneath your trees and whatnot, is there less grass there anyway to compete? Yeah, there's none actually. It's just outside the kitchen. So it's, it's, well, that, I've, yeah, right. I've got like yeah. bistort and, and various, and a shade loving acanthus, mm. but they don't emerge until later in the year. So the tulips come up first and yeah, it works so well. And then their embarrassment is covered up by the plants that come after. Exactly. Any others that are on your must-haves before we maybe move off from tulips and chat about other bulbs? We celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary a couple of years ago. And um, oh. uh, we, we went to, my wife and I always pick the tulip at Chelsea and then get it from one of our favourite growers who's a lot, lot cheaper. Um, <laughs> and we saw one. Oh, I love that one there. Look at that. It's a really rich, deep cerise. And we loved it. Mm. And then we found out it was called Lasting Love. And we thought it was Aww. so cheesy. We couldn't. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got two narrow borders leading up to the greenhouse. We put tulips in there every year. And and so we got lasting love for our 45th wedding anniversary. That's a nice um, story. So that was fun. I like Greenland. Yes. Which is that pink version yes. of spring green, which is where instead of white and green, it's pink and green. And that's another good doer, I think, for, for naturalising. It will keep coming up. Lovely one called Devonish, which is crimson, flushed with yellow. And I grew Devonish oh, that I really I enjoyed. But either. also Dordogne, which is a kind oh, of dusky orange. It. I had that in yes. galvanised tubs gorgeous isn't it yeah it's huge i think it's 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 the combinations of colors in tulips i like the fact that they will mix things up that you think oh i don't know that that's wise and then of course you need to eat in a flower it's perfect yes it's so right and dordogne that that's they're all named after french towns that that family they're called french tulips aren't they and so there's like there's avignon and dordogne and monton that's another beauty yes that's a good one and i saw them at the kirkenhof this spring and they were all in their own island beds. And they just, you could see them from kind of <laughs> practically a mile away. They were just radiating this color with these huge heads. And there they're planted in, in, totally on their own. But they're wonderful. I have them coming up here through wallflowers and honesty, the biennials. And um, oh, yeah, they look, they look so fabulous. Good. Well, I reckon that's a pretty good list. But before I let you go, I've got to just pick your brains about a few other things. So what about um, your favorite other bulb varieties. Yeah. Oh, and I love camassias. Mm. It's a shame they're so, as the lovely old word, fugacious. Yes. They don't last awfully long, but particularly in in meadow grass, I, I've got a sort of bit of wild flower meadow here, and planting camassias there, which is, they're a sort of prairie flower anyway, that's where they naturally grow. And these pale blue stars in spires that yes. come up, whether it's the larger one or the smaller one, it's quamash or cusicii, 
I do love Camassias. And also the alliums. I mean, people are terribly sniffy nowadays about and it is a bit of a thug, you know, allium purple sensation will seed itself and, and just take over borders. But oh, it, it's a bonny thing when it comes out in April. You can't disparage it too much. They tell us now that we should buy purple rain rather than purple sensation. But I do love it. It's a, it's yeah, a I love thing. it. I love it too. And our, our head gardener here, Josie, she's she's a massive hater of the allium and we have a very good active debate about uh, <laughs> whether we're allowed to plant more alliums every autumn but i tend to get away with a few just because i love the i love the seed head but if you do christophii that's a cracker yeah yeah, yeah, well, on Christophii, you know, you've got that wonder as if, as if the flower, an enormous great globe of flowers that look as though they've been cut out of pink foil. They yes, shine. They and do. then when they dry, they stay as they are. And I've got just downstairs, there's, there's three or four heads just stuck dry in a vase. So I'd, I'd grow Allium Christophii. It's probably the, the last one I would give up, I think, really. Yeah, yeah. And do you grow any fritillaries? I do. Um, snakes' heads are lovely in a sort of damp part of my bed. I got the, on the low. There's a sort of lower edge. I've tried them on. We're on chalk, and it's relatively mm. dry, and they don't really like that. You know, the flowers of, mm. of water meadows, really. As you know, you see mm. them in Oxford. But I've got one area where the grass slopes down, and there they are bulking up as the years go on. Ah, isn't it amazing? You look at a snake's head artillery, those checkered bells with proper shoulders on them and you think how can nature construct something so wonderfully geometric the, the tessellation the little squares this checkerboard pattern seems so unnatural and yet it's nature and they're either white or that dusky purple i do like the dusky purple ones so yeah. yes i love those and, and in the border um i get crown imperials popping up all over. I love the story of the Crown Imperial. You know the legend of the Crown Imperial. Oh no, tell was, us, tell us, Alan. Oh well, well, the top of the Crown Imperial, it's got that sort of tuft, like a pineapple, top of a pineapple, tuft of, of green leafy bits, but it looks like just like the top of a pineapple. And then you've got this circlet of bells in dusky orange which hang down. Mm. And if you look up inside the hanging down bells, you'll see they've got sort of nectar. Hanging yes. around. Yes, teardrops. Teardrops. Well, the story of the Crown Imperial is it was the only flower in the Garden of Gethsemane which did not blush and bow its head when Christ was crucified. It was white then. Its flowers gazed upwards at the sun. An angel came down and admonished it. Blah. It blushed to orange, lowered its flowers, and shed a tear inside each one. Isn't that lovely? Oh, I love that. I've never heard or read that. You're a genius. I love that. I love that. And um, <laughs> before we finish, any bulbs that you bring inside and that you force perhaps for the house? Always a few hyacinths that to start off and, and try and do some every couple of weeks to coincide. I never mix the colours. A lot of people say, oh, I'll have a pink one and a, and a white one and a blue one. They never flower at the same time. Yeah. So I tend to use not bulb fibre, which we used to use when we had bowls without drainage holes in them. It had charcoal and oyster shell in to stop the compost going sour. But just ordinary peat-free, multi-purpose compost. And and I like three or four hyacinths in a, a shallowish half pot yeah. and just do different colours. And I, and I love bringing them in. The secret with them also always is to give them long enough 
to get established and rooted yeah. and keep them cool and don't bring them in until you can see the waste yes. on the flower. Yes. By that, I don't mean W-A-S-T-E, I mean W-A-I-S-T. When the flower has emerged fully from the bulb, it's narrower, slightly narrower at the bottom, yes. and that's when you can bring them in and just keep them as cool and as bright as you possibly can to make them last. But I am a bit cruel. If they start to topple, I do get short lengths, sort of nine inches of wire and push it down through the stalk uh, through the bulb and it just gives them support mm. but i do love houses for the brilliant frame brilliant. and the trouble with things like paper white narcissi is they flower too quickly yeah <laughs> they just you put them in and stand well back and, and they're really quite early but they're lovely fragrance yeah they they do rock it don't they so what are you up to now apart from your your television well tell us about all your books and your television and 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 what you're doing at the moment alan well, Love Your Weekend is, is on Sunday yeah. mornings on ITV, which is great fun. It's a two-hour programme predicated on countryside and livestock yeah. and horses and dogs and heaven knows what else with two or three celebrity guests. And that's a couple of hours every Sunday morning on ITV, which is fun. And I've got a little book coming out um, in October called Auntie Gardener's Almanac. And that's been great fun to do because it's not just what you ought to be doing this month. It's a kind of little commonplace book. Mm. And at the end of each chapter, there's things you can do this month and things I wouldn't do this month. But there's music to play in January, mm. a book to read in January, Gardener of the Month, you know. Yes. And you'll probably find yourself tucked away in the chapter, Sarah. Actually, you are. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Famous Gardener <laughs> of the Month. Yes. Oh, that sounds lovely. So that's out just about just coming out after when this comes on air. So that couldn't be more perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting. And um, and giving us your sort of stock cube. <laughs> yes, quite. And um, very, very happy autumn. I can't say happy Christmas yet because it's too soon, but happy autumn. Thank you. And good bulb planting. It's happy new year. Start of the gardener's year, isn't it, really? Things are going in. Great. Yeah. All right. Lovely to talk. And you, love. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Coquita Range and what a treat to have the wonderful man that is Alan Titchmarsh with us. And next week, Arthur's joining me again and we're going to be talking about our absolute favourite autumn job, which is creating bulb lasagnas. So what to put in them, how to do them, what to top the overall pot with, whether it be salads or crocus or iris. Anyway, we will give you lots of ideas and tips. See you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.